On your Tuesday episode of Locked On Raptors, the Toronto Raptors lose a very bad basketball game to the Memphis Grizzlies, and the biggest reason, too small. Oh, like, because when I shot, I expected to make it. So, like, I don't shoot kind of miss. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Tuesday, January the 23rd, and I'm your host, Sean Woodley. I've been covering the Toronto Raptors now for 10 seasons on various platforms. You can find all my work over on that website that doesn't work very well, at Woodley Sean. You can find the show on Instagram at Lockdown Raptors. And of course, join us in the Lockdown Raptors Discord, would you? The link is in the description of the podcast. It's free to join, and we'd love to see you in there. It's a lovely place to be, full of lovely people. Fake trades, movie talk, video game talk, Blue Jays spiraling, all of it's going on over there in the Discord. Come be part of our Locked On Raptors listener family. Of course, you can find the show for free wherever you get your podcasts. Follow, subscribe, rate, review, tell a friend on all the audio apps, of course, and you can join us on YouTube every day as well. Go subscribe to the YouTube channel, hit the notification bell, and when you do that, You'll get a heads up every single time as the show is about to premiere. Sometimes we got live shows and reaction to breaking news as well. And you'll get those notifications telling you that Sean's on. So you can go and do that. And uh, it's a great way to support the show, especially for you everydayers out there. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get 150 bucks in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started and we will get started here talking about a 108 100 loss to the skeleton crew grizzlies not what you want you know this felt like a game that was eminently gettable even for a raptors team that is sorely missing their starting center and Jakob purtle but no they come up short we will dig into how it happened why it happened why the lack of size is evident for this Toronto Raptors team right now. We will also get into a couple guys who I think kind of brought the punch and fought back against a very, very nasty, elbowy, muscly Memphis Grizzlies team. And of course, we got the good, the bad, and the hmm coming up later on in the show as well. But yeah, let's just begin with the biggest reason why the Toronto Raptors lost this game, which is simply in the parlance of many a pickup legend over the years, of Chris Middleton, of many a guy who scored over a guy who was smaller than them in basketball history, the Toronto Raptors, simply too small. And not just small, but just kind of like overwhelmed physically in this one by a Grizzlies team that kind of doesn't have anything else to lean into other than being physical and big and nasty and mean and try-hardy That's kind of what they are at this point without Desmond Bain, without John Morant, without Marcus Smart. You know, obviously Smart would fit into that whole ethos of the team, but this is just a grimy team. It would make the grit and grind fans of the past very, very proud, I'm sure, among the Grizzlies faithful. Jaron Jackson Jr., just a totally nasty piece of business in this game. Six steals for him, a career high. You got John Conchar played a really nasty defensive game. Vince Williams Jr., that dude is just all muscles and elbows and uh, like sinewy 
like built nastiness, like really, really mean to type of dude to play against Xavier Tillman. All that dude does is lower the shoulder and he does it uh, with great aplomb all the time. David Roddy, the dude is wider than he is tall. It's just a team. Gigi Jackson as well. Super physically imposing. And the Raptors without Jakob Pertl. And without now, Pascal Siakam, Precious Achua, and OG Ananobi, who used to be their counter to physical teams, they just are coming up short on the size end of things. And it's just, it's pretty apparent, right? You got Grady Dick playing in there. You know, he's doing his best, but this was not the game for him. Completely outmatched physically in his minutes. Uh, Emmanuel quickly even had a really hard time finishing at the rim in this game. Really hard time navigating through the physicality. Didn't help that the refs were kind of letting this one play, which I have no problem with. You know, they should let the guys play a little bit more often. And the Raptors did severely out free throw the Grizzlies in this game. So there's no like conspiracy theory or anything like that. It was just a really uh, sort of loosely called game. And I think that's fine. This, this was a physical game and the Grizzlies took it to the Raptors. And I think they deserve the outcome they got. They are just a really, really tough team to go up against, even though they lack the top end talent. You know, Taylor Jenkins has coached a very good defense for many years, and they had the pieces intact to still be a very good defense. And the Raptors learned that the hard way in this game. Want a fun fact? I mean, what's the opposite of a fun fact, I guess? Here's a fact that makes you sad or might make you sad from this game per clean the glass. The Toronto Raptors in this game shot 59% of the rim, not very good, but they got there a ton in this game. 57% of their shots came at the rim per clean the glasses box score on this game. Literally a 100th percentile game in terms of rim frequency among all NBA games played this season in the cleaning the glass database. And they shot 59%. And that speaks, I think, to just the imposing will of this Grizzlies team around the rim, the collapsing in of three, four different guys making life miserable for the likes of Emmanuel quickly for the likes of even Scotty Barnes, um, who, you know, we'll talk about him really found his way to a nice, nice game in this one, but had a lot of trouble finishing inside. Jonte Porter cannot finish inside. He was totally outgunned in this game. His sort of inability to jump was pretty much on display in this one. And, you know, I don't think, Darko Ryakovich was wrong necessarily to bench him in the second half. It was not Jonte Porter's matchup by any means. Um, you know, Gary Trent Jr., a lot of trouble. It went over to shooting from inside the arc as well in this one. Dennis Schroeder caught up at the rim a ton. He goes just one of six, or two of six from inside the arc as well. Uh, just not a game for the Raptors to score around the bucket, unless your name was Thad Young, which is hilarious. And we'll talk about him a little bit later on as well. But, um, you know, you obviously, the, the scoring at the rim, it just was not there. And all this keeps on coming back to, man, oh man, does this team miss Yaka Pirtle, right? Um, you know, so much of what went wrong in this game, I'm not saying they win this game or have the physical edge if Yaka Pirtle's available. But so much of what went wrong in this game for the Raptors is mitigated some by having a seven foot rim protector on the floor who also really, really greases the wheels of your offense, gives guys extra space by launching them into areas where they can go exploit Emmanuel quickly kind of number one coming to mind in, in this regard. And hey, quickly still 10 assists in this game. Dude keeps on racking up them dimes. It's pretty fun. Um, but yeah, not having Jakob Pertle, the rebounding obviously has been an absolute adventure for the Raptors these last couple of games. 19 offensive rebounds for the Grizzlies in this one. Honestly, every rebound that like goes up on the defensive end and is there for grabs feels like a video game boss fight. It's just like, it's just beating you down. And the Raptors are really having a hard time clearing that boss fight and that 
you know, uh, without Jakob Pertl, they're really in tough in that department in particular. And look, they've played against two very physical, very rebound forward, very huge teams in the last couple of games in the Knicks and the Grizzlies. It's been amplified here, the, the lack of Jakob Pertl, but it's undeniable nonetheless. And thankfully, we got some good reporting yesterday suggesting that Jakob is progressing very well. And it seems like maybe the Friday game against the Clippers, their next game on the schedule with three days off, might be the time to see Jakob Pertl back, which would be big, especially against a Clippers team that does not have Avica Zubats right now. Um, you know, it'd be nice to kind of have the edge at the center position once in a while. And this is nothing against Jonte Porter. He's been a very nice story, but he's clearly not a starting center. He doesn't have the athleticism or the defense, the foot speed, things like that to really hang as a heavy minutes starting center. He's going to be a change of pace guy coming in off the bench when Yak's available. And I think that's a perfect role for him to occupy. Um, yeah, just a tough one. And the Raptors obviously really struggled with turnovers in this one, too. Uh, there was like six turnovers in the first like four minutes of the game. I might be a little bit exaggerating, but it was definitely six early on. You know, Scotty Barnes has the five turnovers and, you know, 17 is a team in this one. They kind of clean things up down the stretch. But I do think once again, the turnovers often a case of just kind of being outgunned athletically and having to throw passes into pockets when you've kind of been walled off by bodies and trying to throw pa passes through lanes that just ain't there because the Grizzlies are filling those lanes with the dudes waiting to collect those balls and go the other way. So, yeah. You know, this is going to be a problem even when Jakob Hurdle is back. Obviously, this team skews small. They've traded away three, six, eight, six, nine dudes in the last three weeks and have not brought back any six, eight, six, nine dudes in that in that span. And so it's quite a stark difference from what this team used to be, where they were all limbs and arms and athleticism and could overcompensate some for their you know lack of offensive production, for example, by just being so long and hard to play against that they were felt on defense every single time down. Not the case right now for this squad. It'll get better with Jakob Pertl, but at this point, every waking minute for the Raptors front office needs to be spent scouring the, 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 the pro ranks, the scouting ranks for the draft, the G League, whatever it is, trying to find big wingy dudes and obviously big men as well to kind of fill in and offer some size and beef because this team certainly lacks the beef right now. The Wendy's ladies, very, very concerned. We'll come back on the other side and we will get into two guys who I thought actually did bring the beef in this game. That's Scotty Barnes and RJ Barrett, two guys who are giving me a whole lot of optimism about what this thing will look like once the dust settles from the post-trade winds and all of that. And of course, once Yaka Pertle's back in the lineup, we'll get into that coming up in just one sec. Today's show is brought to you by our pals over at FanDuel, the number one sports book in all of North America. The NFL regular season is wrapping up. The playoffs are going strong. NFC Championship coming up this weekend. AFC Championship as well, I suppose. You can tell I don't really watch a whole lot of football, but uh, it's still a great time to get it on the action with FanDuel. Right now, new customers get 150 bucks in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. All you got to do is place a $5 bet. You don't even have to win it, and you get $150 in bonus bets to go and toy around with over on FanDuel's super-duper easy-to-use platform. You can do live same-game parlays. You can find bets in the new Explore tab. You can make a parlay in the Parlay Hub, the best way to find popular parlays. And, of course, you can do the thing that I recommend if you're going to wager on sports. Do the happiness hedge. Bet on your team to lose. So even if they lose, you get some money out of the deal. And if they win, you're none the worse. You're happy. You're 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 just laughing. You're, you're happy as a clam. All that good stuff. Visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and make your first bet a layup. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL and of the Locked On Podcast Network. We continue rolling on here on your Tuesday edition 
of Locked On Raptors. Thanks so much for hanging out here with me today. And if you're hanging out today, you're one of them sickos. And we love you little sickos coming in after a game where the Raptors looked kind of a mess against a not very good Grizzlies team. And uh, yeah, nice to have you along nonetheless. And uh, hopefully we're, we're providing you a little bit of, I don't know, optimism and joy along with this sort of dissection of the things that have gone wrong for this team. But let's go on the optimism and joy side of things right now because there's two guys in this game who I thought really popped and it's going to be obvious you look at the box score and you say oh look at those numbers that's cool those two guys were good but there's a little bit more to it than that Scotty Barnes and RJ Barrett I thought to me were very very bright beacons of optimism and happiness watching this Toronto Raptors basketball game and yeah let's just kind of dive into it right I, I think of all the guys on the team and it makes sense considering their physical dimensions but these two these two dudes were very much ready and kind of there to punch back against a very very grimy and physical Grizzlies team and I, I thought in particular we'll start with Scotty he was awesome in this game man 22 points 12 boards eight assists six blocks Six blocks in a, and a plus two in a game where the Raptors obviously did not win a whole lot of their minutes and trailed for long stretches. And I don't think ever led in this game. Uh, plus two for Scotty Barnes, pretty impressive. And I think pretty telling of the impact he had on the floor in this one. The six blocks, what he's at nine blocks and three steals over the last two games. Pretty nutty. Uh, I guess what he, I don't remember what he did against the Knicks. Either way, he's racking up them counting stats when it comes to defense, and that's pretty sweet. But six of 14 in this game, nine of nine from the line. It did not come easy for Scotty Barnes in this game, but that's kind of precisely why it was impressive. I, I think we've seen at times this season, he's kind of settled. You know, he'll, he can lean on that three-point shot, which, of course, has kind of been falling on hard times over the last few weeks. I'm sure it'll perk back up. You know, lots of change, lots of fluctuations, no Yaka Pirtle. Like, these are all things that are playing into depressed shooting numbers, a little regression to the mean, surely, as well. Um, but, you know, we've seen him settle and try to lead into the three a little bit too often this season when things have been hard on the interior, but not at all the case in this one. He felt like he was very much up to diving headlong into the trees into the the morass of bulbous muscles that the Memphis Grizzlies defenders provide and he was there he was ready for it and he was nasty in this game again goes to the line nine times that you love to see you want to see that replicated as often as you can he had the eight assists and a ton of them were just him getting into the middle of the defense causing a ruckus and drawing two or three defenders and just finding an easy pass out Thad Young, the beneficiary, many, many times, but just a lot of really good Scotty Barnes using his physical might and imposing nature around the rim to draw defenders and kick it out and get good, easy shots for his teammates. That's just good, simple basketball. And it's the type of thing that a passer on the level of Scotty Barnes can really take advantage of, even in a game where the Raptors' stuff is just not quite there. Again, they're missing like half of their playbook or more because Jakob Pertl's not available to run half of their playbook or be involved in half of their playbook. And so a lot of this was just kind of bully ball on the part of Scotty Barnes and RJ Barrett. And they didn't get him over the finish line. Obviously, they didn't have enough offensive punch to make it work. This was a very bad offensive game for the Raptors. A sixth percentile half-court offense performance. Uh, under 80 in terms of offensive rating in the half-court for the Raptors in this one. Uh, 78.2 to be exact. Not what you want. And we've seen a couple of these really nasty games of late. Again, I think very much tied to not having Yaka Pirtle there to grease the wheels and make things a lot easier for everybody out there. But I, I thought Scotty Barnes, for his part, did a really good job of just trying to create 
what he could within the parameters of, again, a very good Grizzlies defense. You can say, well, they're not the best guys. They're a bad team. But like Vince Williams, really good defender. Jaron Jackson Jr. defending DPOY. You know, regardless of the offensive talent they're missing, this is still a very good defensive team with a really good defensive backbone. And the Raptors just did not have the juice. Scotty Barnes brought whatever juice he could to kind of squeeze whatever the Raptors could out of their half-court offense in this one. Obviously on the defensive end too, totally involved in everything around the rim, mixing it up, six blocks, probably could have had more. Um, I just thought Scotty Barnes, man, a really, really impressive showing from him. RJ Barrett, on the other hand, you know, pretty similar stuff that we've seen from him for a while now, right? 29 points, 12 of 18 shooting. It's been bloody encouraging that the efficiency he's been playing with and just the level he's reached since the trade, barring that one jazz game, you know, the fact that it's held up now without Pascal Siakam on the team, without Jakob Pertl there in the middle to make things easier on everybody. It's just been really impressive and damn encouraging for what lies ahead for RJ Barrett with this sort of revamped version of himself that he keeps on doing what he's been doing. And a lot of it still is just him being a devastating off ball player who just makes stuff happen once he turns the corner. They're running all this stuff where he's kind of coming from the corner, ripping around a screen, cutting to the middle. They're hitting him on the run. It's kind of like what the Raptors used to do with Norman Powell, where they'd have him kind of get ahead of steam coming around a screen, heading into the middle of the floor, except it's with three extra inches and a little bit more finishing ability and like 40 pounds of muscle on top of Norman Powell. And the results have been devastating for opposing defenses. He's really tough to handle with a head of steam. He's really strong. Dude, just bounce off of him. He goes to the line a ton, six free throw attempts in this game as well for RJ. It's fun, man. I, I'm having a blast watching the RJ Barrett experience, and I think things will only get easier as Jakob Pertl arrives. And again, they kind of settle back into Darko Ball. They've kind of lost that a little bit over the last little bit here, as I think there's just new faces, new guys kind of getting accustomed to one another, learning how each other play. Bruce Brown being involved. Is Bruce Brown going to still be involved, et cetera, et cetera? Grady Dick getting back in the conversation. Gary Trent Jr. starting. There's been a lot of change. It almost feels like this team is kind of in preseason mode right now, getting acclimatized to one another once again. But R.J. Barrett just keeping his head down and doing really, really impressive things, getting to the bucket 12 of 16 on twos in this game, in a game, again, where the Raptors just did not have a whole lot of success at the rim. R.J. Barrett, one of the clear exceptions to that in this one. And uh, yeah, he, he's just, just playing his ass off. It's awesome. And ultimately, I think it's the talent of Barnes and Barrett and obviously Emmanuel Quickly, who was not good in this game, which we'll get to coming up. But um, I think the talent of those three guys, plus the sort of functionality that Jakob Pertl introduces to the mix, the, again, the sort of grace period that they need here to kind of get back on the same page and run their stuff and get into their stuff and figure out, you know, who's coming where and wh who's moving where, who likes to do what, who likes the ball where, all this stuff. I'm still pretty bullish on this team not being the one in seven team we've seen since Jakob Pertl went out of the lineup. They are a better team than that. I am pretty sure of that. And I still think they're going to find themselves in the thick of the play-in race down the stretch. You know, maybe some people wanted them to go tank to keep the pick. I just don't think they're going to go tank to keep the pick. And I think once Jakob Pertl's back, they'll be too good to earnestly tank to keep the pick. Yes, they're a half game behind the Grizzlies now, and I guess so a half game ahead of them in the race for the sixth pick or whatever. Maybe they end up there. And if that happens, it'll be what it'll be. But I do think that as the season progresses, as they get more comfortable, as the cloud of the trade deadline moves past, 
Scotty Barnes is just too good. RJ Barrett's just playing too well. Emmanuel quickly in- injects so much, you know, shot making talent into this group that I don't think they're going to be on the tier of the Hornets or the Blazers or the Wizards or those sort of real sort of tank job teams. And even the Grizzlies who, you know, they've won some games here without John Morant and since all their injuries happened, attrition is going to mount. Offenses are going to start figuring them out and they're not going to have the offensive juice to keep up. And so I still think, you know, somewhere between seventh and 11th in the draft lottery is probably where the Raptors end up and they convey that pick. And ultimately I think that's fine. Get it off the books going forward. I do think Barnes and Barrett are showing that they're too good for them to be playing regular minutes, playing heavy minutes, actually trying to play productive, progressive basketball and have the team lose all the time. It's not going to be this bad once Yaka Pirtle arrives. They're also going to have a much easier schedule down the stretch. Of course, January has been a total gauntlet for them. A, a big road trip, a uh, couple tough home games, obviously, with tough opponents. It sucks that you couldn't win this Grizzlies game against a seemingly not tough opponent. But uh, as they go out on the road, it's a little bit of an easier road trip. They're in the Eastern time zone for most of the rest of the season. All that stuff. I, I think we're going to see sort of a, a leveling off here from this squad. And again, I think it's Barnes and Barrett who are going to be, and quickly as well, are going to be the guys who kind of are the, the, at the front of that leveling off. And I think that'll be fun. Will, it'll be exciting. I think there's a chance for like a post-deadline heater for this team still, even with how they've played. Yes, they're one and seven in their last eight. Yaka Pirtle's not been there. They traded Pascal Siakam in this stretch. There's all sorts of reasons why they're playing below their talent level record-wise in this little pocket of the season, I would say. So, uh, yeah, not a great game. One of the worst games of the season. Just like a badly played basketball game in a lot of ways on both sides. A lot of just kind of busted possessions that will end up on Shaq the Nafool or whatever. But um, I-, I do think better days lie ahead within this season for this group and the play of a Scotty Barnes and RJ Barrett last night are kind of reasons why I'm feeling pretty optimistic about where things will eventually level off once the deadline dust settles and all of that. We'll come back on the other side, get into the good, the bad, and the hmm, the way we close out every episode of this year podcast after a Raptors game. We'll talk a little about Emmanuel quickly. We'll talk about Thad Young and a little bit more coming up to close out the show. Just one sec. Today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks, the single best place to go and play daily fantasy sports. Check them out. It's as it should be. It's not you against some shadow expert in a basement putting together an unassailable lineup. No, it's just you against the projections the way it should be. All you got to do is pick more or less on two to six player stat projections and watch the winnings roll in on a given entry. With the basketball season here and the NFL playoffs in full steam, there's still time to go and make projections and combo picks across the specials legally created specifically for combo projections that include two or more players from different sports or leagues. So you can go and do that. And Prize Picks, of course, offers a reboot policy so that if a player on your team gets injured in the first half of a game, that player is rebooted, meaning that Prize Picks is the only daily fantasy sports platform with injury insurance. That is pretty sweet. Go to prizepicks.com slash locked at NBA. Use the code locked at NBA for a first deposit match to 100 bucks. That's prizepicks.com slash locked at NBA. Use the code locked at NBA for a first deposit match up to $100 with Prize Picks daily fantasy sports made easy. Closing things out here on your Tuesday Locked On Raptors. A reminder, you can go and check out Locked On Sports Today 24-7, our ongoing 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube where you have Locked On shows covering all the biggest stories from around the sports world 
24-7. Trade reaction stuff. I'm sure Miami, the Locked on Heat will be on there talking about the Kyle Lowry trade. That's what it is. It's the Lowry trade, not the Terry Rozier trade. It's the Lowry trade. Go check that out with our boys David and Wes. That'll be running there, I'm sure, at some point soon. If you're an NFL fan, lots of NFL coverage going into championship weekend and all that good stuff. So go check out Locked on Sports today, 24-7, after you finish watching this. Okay, let's round out the show with the good, the bad, and the hmm, hmm, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's the way we recap every episode of the podcast here after a Raptors game. A thing I liked, a thing I didn't like, and a thing that's got me a little bit intrigued, a thing that got me thinking a little bit from the game. We'll start with the good, and it's Thad Young. Just Thad Young, year 17, gray frosted tips out here, taking charges, filling in for Jonte Porter as the center, playing 26 minutes in this game, throwing slick dimes, 12 points, six boards, four assists, three steals, five of eight shooting. Just an absolute delight to watch Thad Young, and in particular, Thad Young and Scotty Barnes attempt just the two of them to spearhead a late-game comeback in this one. All kinds of fun, man. And look, I know the Thad Young trade makes people sad, it's even sadder considering the Christian Coloco of it all and how things have progressed with him. The pick, of course, that they that they took, that they got in the Thad Young trade back for the 20th overall pick in that draft. Um, but at the very least, Thad Young's doing some fun stuff here to help try to grease the wheels of this team in the way that Jakob Pertl typically does. And I don't think it's a surprise that they've had some pretty good flourishes with him filling in the Jakob Pertl role because the dude has long been best as a small ball five who can facilitate from the elbows and those fun little passes he's thrown to cutters, RJ Barrett cutting baseline, throwing down big yams on the back end of Thad Young bounce passes. Mwah. That's the type of stuff that when you're not a good basketball team, you can watch cool guys throw cool passes into dunks. That's going to enrich your viewing experience, whether they win or they lose. And yeah, that late game stuff where Scotty was drawing all kinds of attention and just like, okay, you keep doing this. I'm going to keep dumping it off to Thad Young, and he's going to keep on laying it up and in with his left hand, or in a couple cases, dunking it. Fine. This will just be our offense now. I thought that was sweet. Bizarro old and young chemistry between Thad Young and Scotty Barnes. Scotty Barnes was like seven years old, maybe six, five years old. I don't know how old he was when uh, Thad Young came into the league, and yet. They are beautifully in sort of concert with one another right now. And it's a ton of fun, you know, kicking it to Thad, you know, rolling through, filling the lane, coming into transition off of double teams on the post. Man, great stuff. The good is Thad Young and a little bit of a nod as well to Scotty Barnes for the work he did with Thad Young in this game. Bad in this one. Emmanuel quickly not taking enough threes, man. Six threes attempted in this game. Darko Ryakovich talked before the game yesterday about wanting IQ to be a little more aggressive. Take eight or ten, man, I, I believe was the refrain. And in a game where there was just not a whole lot for him on the interior, just going in among the trees, really tough stuff trying to finish around the rim for him in this one. One of seven at the rim, a big part of the very tough game they had at the rim in this game. Uh, you know, I would have liked to see a little bit more of quickly kind of stretching it out. He's just money above the break, and it would be nice to see him kind of lean a little bit more into that. It's going to come, right? This is a dude who had a gunner's mentality with the Memphis Grizzlies, and it needs to be said again that not having Jakob Pertl directly affects 
Emmanuel Quickly's three-point volume. He's not being sprung loose for those popping open threes on the wing where he's getting it on a catch and shoot. He doesn't have the opportunity for the pull-up threes coming around screens because the screens have just not been strong enough. They have not been Jakob Pertl-level screens from anybody since Jakob went out of the lineup. And so that's directly affecting Quickly's three-point volume. I'm not worried. I saw a stat yesterday somewhere that he leads the NBA in above-the-break three-point percentage at like 46%. Pretty incredible stuff. And so I'm not worried at all about quickly in the long term, but that's something he's got to work on, right? This is a learning process for him. It's a learning process for everybody. He's, you know, three weeks into this lead guard role and the burden that he has to carry as such a massive agent for vertical spacing on this team. And so I think, uh, yeah, it's just... It, it's got to be more. It, it's got to ratchet up, and they have to find more ways to get him there. Obviously, he can't do it on his own. The defense is going to try to wall him off and prevent those shots and everything. He needs a little window to get those up. His release point, maybe a little bit lower than a typical sort of lead guard coming around the screen. Um, so maybe that's something to account for and, and, and think about here. But I, I think for the most part, he's uh, you know just got to be a little bit more aggro when it comes to putting up those triples, and things will be all right. Just listen to Darko. Darko's telling you to shoot, brother. Go shoot. Um, that said, though, 10 assists. He keeps on walking into these crazy assist totals. The playmaking has very much been there. Uh, just four turnovers. Four turnovers in this one, so still a decent assist to turnover. He's been at like a four-to-one assist to turnover, almost five-to-one since becoming a Raptor. Um, went down a little bit with this game, obviously. But, uh, yeah, you know, lots of stuff to still really like from Manuel quickly. Good defensive instincts as well. Two steals. He had one play where he kind of broke up a, a play at the rim as well. Um, so nothing too, too bad here, but if I got to pick a bad, it's Emmanuel quickly, not being quite aggressive enough, getting those triples up. They need them. They badly need that volume right now, especially, you know, since all of the trades sent a lot of their three point shooting out the window and OG and OB. Um, I guess that was kind of it. They have more. Yeah, whatever, uh, but they need them. Threes are important. And this Raptors team definitely needs more offensive punch from Emmanuel quickly. My, hmm. And look, there's nothing I can do about this one, and I understand why things are the way they are. But watching this game last night, watching the Raptors get physically overpowered, all I could think was, how goddamn perfect would OG and Anobi be on this team right now? Filling in as the three, next to Scotty, in between him and RJ Barrett, playing with Emmanuel quickly. Like, quickly, Barrett, OG, Scotty, Yock. It'd be pretty damn tight, man. And obviously, you don't get quickly or bear it without trading OG Ananobi. I understand the trade had to happen. It's a good trade. I, I have no problems with the trade. I'm not looking to retcon anything. But man, oh man, the the the, the void of a six foot eight, really athletic, bouncy wing type is very much there. And having had one of those guys for the last seven seasons the it's stark to not see OG Ananobi on this team because boy oh boy he would be absolutely perfect as he is perfect on most NBA basketball teams so I'm not really telling tales at a school here just something I was thinking about watching this game last night like huh where would they be if they just could you know sign OG in the summer with all of the cap space they're about to have huh Huh? conspiracy theory oh maybe who said it's not gonna happen but man it'd be fun um you know that it's why honestly the sort of reports over the weekend from Matt Moore over at Locked in NBA suggesting that Herb Jones might be someone who could be like a, a, a tax casualty of the New Orleans Pelicans coming up sometime soon. 
really intriguing to me. That's someone I would give like a lot of the picks they just got in the trade for Pascal Siakam for. Um, because Herb Jones, who's shooting like 38% on threes and is one of the single best wing defenders alive, one of the only guys who can really give OG a run for his money as far as defensive versatility, uh, would be pretty awesome. You know, that's more of a summer thing, probably. The Pelicans are really good. I don't see why they would move Herb Jones now. They ducked the tax with the Kira Lewis move, and so this is probably more of a summer thing. And hell, like, Trey Murphy doesn't get expensive for 18 months in New Orleans, so it's probably not even uh, this summer thing. It's maybe more of a next year's deadline or next year's draft thing. But Herb Jones, if I'm like assembling a list of guys I'd like to see the Raptors try to target to fill out this starting five going forward around Scotty Barnes, uh, it's like Herb Jones, and then there's like some pipe dream guys like Mikal Bridges or whatever, but Herb Jones might be the very top of that list of guys I would like to see the Raptors go and pursue aggressively if he's actually available which he may or may not be who knows we'll see matt moore knows stuff but also you know things are are fluid in the nba and again the pelicans probably shouldn't move him now because they're good and he's useful and helpful and all those things so uh just 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 something i'm keeping an eye on because herb jones will be pretty damn awesome and herb jones on this team last night would have been just a massive help Vince Williams Jr., man. Get get us a Vince Williams Jr. in Toronto. That dude is awesome. And, uh, you know, the exact type of guy the Raptors really, really need now that they have given away all of the guys who are 6'8", 6'9", wing types who are very, very good defensively and just bursting with athleticism. Again, I understand all the reasons why they did it. I'm not saying they should go back and undo the OG trade. I love IQ. RJ Barrett's awesome. But that is the type of player they so badly need. And I said this. I said this all lead up to the OG trade. Even when I was advocating for OG trades, there's a world in which you trade OG and spend the next 20 years wondering, how do we get a guy like that on our team? I'm already spending the next, it's been 20 days, 19 years and, you know, 345 days later, I still might be saying this. We'll see. But hopefully that is not the case. We will leave it there. Thank you so much for tuning into today's show. Really appreciate you for supporting the show, for hanging out, for being here, even through the tough times. I'm hoping that this podcast, even as things are not rosy and full of wins and all of that, is still a place you can come and have it be fun to be a Toronto Raptors fan. Have a good time talking about the team and all that good stuff. Uh, so, yeah, thanks for hanging out. We'll talk to you again tomorrow as Katie Heindel should be along. And I think we're going to do a little Pascal Siakam retrospective because it's time and we haven't really had a chance to yet since the trade. Uh, our feelings have now been settled and all of that. We'll get into feelings with Katie coming up tomorrow and uh, lots of other stuff coming up for the rest of this week. Programming note, no episode on Friday. I am moving this weekend, and Friday is moving preparation day, and I kind of just need to carve out that whole day. So there'll be no episode Friday this week, but uh, there'll be one, of course, Wednesday and Thursday to take you through the rest of the first four days of the week or whatever. Either way, thanks so much for hanging out. We'll talk to you again on Wednesday, another episode of Locked On Raptors. Thanks for hanging. Bye-bye.